there's no rehab in a note. There's just exit strategies, really what it is. And, and in every note, just like with any investment, you're simply beginning with the end in mind. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you. And it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565. And he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out all the fluff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. With us today, we have an experienced commercial real estate broker, investor, and syndicator. He's got over 16 years of experience in real estate. He's the host of the popular podcast, Cash Flow Guys. How you doing, Tyler Chef? Joe, how you doing, man? I'm doing really well, my friend. Nice to have you on the show. Tyler is also the founder and CEO of, well, guess what? Cashflowguys.com. So go check him out on that website, or you can just simply click through on the show notes page. He's based in, how do I pronounce this? Tarpon Springs, Florida? Tarpon Springs, that's Tarpon correct. Spring. You say it much more fluidly than I did. Tarpon Springs, <laughs> Florida. Uh, now, with that being said, Tyler, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Well, I started as a residential real estate agent about 17, 18 years ago and, and discovered, for me, that was really wasn't my cup of tea. It's not what I enjoyed doing. I'm not the kind of guy that you walk into a house and go, oh, look at the pretty curtains. Isn't the single family house a great investment? And then one day an apple fell from a tree and it kind of changed everything. But seriously, I took a break from real estate after the market crashed. I was a rehabber. I started. I was flipping houses back in your early 2000s. And I did probably count over 100 flips back in the day and decided that really wasn't my cup of tea. Didn't really like being a residential realtor. Went to work for the government, thought that was a brilliant idea. And then I got a tax bill that goes along with it. Apparently, when you start making a six-figure income with the federal government, they take a, a large piece of that back. <laughs> So real estate was a vehicle initially to help me reduce or mitigate my tax liability. That's how the whole investment piece in the buy and hold really started for me. Okay. And since then, what type of deals have you done? It's gone crazy. So I, like I said, I started doing some fix and flip. Then I got into wholesaling, bought my first fourplex, and that was a game changer. When I sat down and did the numbers, I remember I was terrified. And I sat down and did the numbers, and I was I did them like 100 different times. Talk about analysis paralysis. I had a PhD in analysis paralysis. But uh, came out of that first deal, that first fourplex, did the numbers. At the end of the day, I wound up cash flowing almost two grand a month on four units. And I said, oh, yeah, there's something about this multifamily. And it just kind of exploded from there. Now, what was tough for me was 
as you well know, you get through that first deal. I used a VA mortgage. So literally, I not only didn't have any money down on the deal, I got paid at the closing table. I got a check at the closing table, which was kind of cool, <laughs> I got to say. Yep. So that's where it led to spending time and building cash flow guys as a brand to get other people involved in real estate, learn how to raise capital, do some small-scale syndication work, you know, not on the same degree that you do, but some of the smaller stuff. And my sweet spot is generally between 20 and 100 doors is where I like to stay. Uh-huh. On a smaller scale, more of the B-class product, I try to find uh, C-class properties in B-class neighborhoods and do value-add opportunities and go from there. So that's really where it's taken off to, and which is, of course, expanded into I coach other people and teach other people how to do it as well. With the fourplex, you're making 2 k a month on it. How did you get into it with no money of your own and get paid at closing? Can you give us the inner workings of that deal? Basically, I had the VA mortgage, so the VA mortgage automatically requires me is a zero-down opportunity, but I still had closing costs to deal with. You know, at the time, I've been an agent for so long, I let my license lapse when I went to see. So I had a buddy of mine who had a license. Him, He came on the transaction because initially when I was working with the sellers, they obviously weren't going to give me any credit or any, any reduction because I wasn't taking a commission. I tried to negotiate that. It wouldn't happen. So I brought my buddy in as an agent. And then he was kind enough to put some of his commission towards the closing costs and made it so he didn't have to do anything in the deal except for basically put his name on the contract as the agent. And then from there, I got the title company to participate, and I discovered all the junk fees and whatnot the title companies tend to charge. Got the lender to participate, got some lender credits. And then, of course, I was entitled to security deposit and rent prorations at the closing table. So with that, I walked out of that deal, out of that closing with a check for $1,700, which I thought was pretty cool. What's the latest deal that you've done? Latest deal I've done, I just did 26 units up in Tennessee, small property. Basically, the place was empty and gutted when we came in. It looked like a shell. And we got it up and performing again. And I'm proud to say that the rehab is now complete and we are at 100% occupancy. And so far, everybody's a happy camper and the deal turned out pretty well. Now we're looking for our next project. When did you buy that? I bought that about eight months ago. Eight months ago. It was at 0% and now it's at 100%? Exactly. All right. Let's get into the weeds on this one. How much did you buy it for? That one we bought for just under forty thousand. Forty thousand dollars total. Yep, forty thousand dollars total. What city? In Memphis. In Memphis. In the war zone. All right. In bad area. Forty thousand dollars for a twenty-six unit. How'd you come across it? I came through it through networking. I spent a lot of time talking to people online, bigger pockets, all those different websites, and I had a difficult time trying to figure out what market I wanted to invest in. I got to tell you, shiny object was something that was definitely a curse for me. And for me, I had difficulty finding opportunities that made sense in my own market down here in the Tampa market. Everything is so disgustingly overpriced. So this deal came to me from basically a friend of a friend that the owner of this property was in trouble, and they had some loans out on the property, which basically equated to the purchase price. So I was able to go in and make things right as far as they were concerned. And then now I inherited their mess, so to speak. And I had to remove, I, I should say, it wasn't empty, but nobody was paying rent. We'll put it that way. How, how so, many Of the 26, how many were occupied but not paying rent? There were eight people squatting that okay. weren't on leases. They never went there as tenants. They just showed up because babysitting the place. Yeah. Definite example of terrible management. Was it a local owner? 
No, it was an out-of-state owner, somebody from the state of California. Uh, I try to punch holes in the bad rap that everyone has whenever they say, oh, it's a California investor. You can get a good deal because <laughs> they're not managing it properly, but this story doesn't help it. All right, so it's a California <laughs> investor, remote. And by the way, California best ever listeners make up the most amount of listeners in terms of states that the show has. So I have tons of love towards California best ever listeners. It's that's why I try to kind of poke holes if someone says, oh, you can get something from a California remote listener. But in this case, it was a California investor who's investing remotely. Zero percent economic occupancy. No one was paying rent. You had eight squatters, so you had some physical occupancy in there. You live in Florida, so you're an out-of-state owner. What would you do differently? Well, the first piece was I had to fire existing management and bring in a new management team. Of course. Uh, that- that was the very first thing I did before I even took on the property, actually. I spent some time working with my mentor and finding good management to take over that train wreck and, and to get it back on task. And i got to say, Joe, I can't blame the California investor because it was the management that they selected. They were kind of being led down a path and told things that weren't necessarily factual. And we early on were able to discover that, yeah, here's your issue. I mean, there's nothing here. There's What were things that they were being told that you believe they were being told that weren't factual? Well, number one, that the building was secure. They had done a conversion from one of them was like an abused woman's shelter. Another one was they tried to do VA housing, and they were actually paying management to keep the building secured until they could find buyers for it while they were trying to figure out what was going on. And, And in reality, there was nothing secured. Nobody had gone to the building in months, and to me, it looked like almost a year. And when you say secured, what do you mean by that? I mean, boards on the windows, locking everything down so people can't get in there. It was just wide open, chain link fences across all the openings, the whole nine yards. Got it. Okay. The nice thing about the way Memphis is set up is if you do have to secure a property completely, it's pretty easy because a lot of them are built in the U-shaped configuration, so it's pretty easy to lock them up tight if you have to. Mm, Okay. First thing you did was fire the management before you bought it, then put the new management in place. Where'd you find the new management? Are they a third-party management company in Memphis? Yes, they are. A lot of phone calls, I got to say. I got on a plane, I flew up there, I shook a lot of hands, kissed a lot of frogs, I guess I'll say. Yep. A lot of people, they talk the talk, but when it comes down to actually doing stuff, it was a whole different story. And so I spent some time, I kind of camped out in a hotel room and got to meet different people. And I went to a couple of RIA meetings up there and really got a good feel for, I didn't want to be that typical out-of-state owner. You know, that person that just dumps money in, a, in an asset and hopes for the best and when things fail, blame the property manager. I wasn't going to be that guy. So a lot of time boots on the ground up there, shaking hands and meeting people. And, and I finally found the team that I found. Wow, that's amazing. And what's the team's name? It's J.D. Marks Realtors. That's who I use up there. Okay. They've been around since 1942, and, and they're outstanding at what they do. All right. So you found J.D. Marks Realtors. They are your management company. This was, we're going, we're time traveling. This was eight months ago. Now what? Oh, actually, this is a couple of years ago. I should, I should be clear Oh, I thought that, you but... said you bought it eight months ago. No, 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 no. This is my, my first deal I'm talking about up there in Memphis. My most recent deal, I'm trying to think about my most recent deal. Mostly it's been notes primarily. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay, so we're talking about your first deal. How long ago was this? This was probably, God, as far as the apartment goes, about two and a half years ago. Good, even better, because that gives us the benefit of more time that's elapsed so two and a half years ago okay and two and a half years ago you you found the jd marks realtors then what well that became the long process 
we had several different things going on. I picked up a lot of smaller properties in the process. And the biggest mistake I made is I bit off more than I could chew initially. I spent a lot of time trying to manage too many things and not outsource it, not letting people do what they do best. So fortunately, working with the property managers up there, they kind of helped get me back on task so I could focus on doing what I'm best at, which was raising capital and, and kind of managing the manager, so to speak, and letting the managers actually manage what's going on. And I actually had J.D. Marks take over the rehab on, the, on that project, mm-hmm. which was huge for me because then I took it off my back and How much very you, difficult to manage that from afar. What did you budget for the rehab? I mean, you paid $40,000 to acquire it. On that one, it was about 145000 which of course we went over budget. Lots of lessons learned on that deal. About how much? <laughs> how much total did it cost for? Real- All said and done, we were in it for three hundred thousand total. Okay, three hundred thousand total. So two sixty is what you ended up spending on the rehab. Twenty six units. That's ten thousand dollars a unit. Okay, that's correct. All right, so you spent ten thousand dollars a unit, and it took you how long to go from zero percent to stabilization? It took a little over a year. And when I say that is when I did initially did the partial stabilization of one of the buildings, when we started getting things filled up, we still had the original management team on one of the assets. So it was a phase getting them out because we were, we kind of, one big mistake we made is we bought it with a contract in place. One thing I didn't catch in the due diligence is I didn't make arrangements to terminate that contract at closing. What contract so, was it? The management contract uh, with one of the assets. So I kind of bought the management contract with the buildings, which <laughs> lesson learned on that one, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had to phase them out. They put a bunch of, uh, let's just say, undesirable tenants that didn't feel the need to pay anything ever. So that dragged things on a little bit longer than we originally thought. Mm-hmm. Again, I learned that from John Shaw, one of my mentors, is a, a seminar, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. So you went over, remind me again, 40K was purchase price, and then all in you were at what, 260 you said? All in we were at 300 Three, by the time. 300, we all 300, 300. So 260, that's right. 260 was the 10K per unit, and you budgeted how much for the rehab? Initially we budgeted 140, and boy okay. were we wrong. 140K. You keep saying we, so I suspect that you brought in private money on this deal, correct? How did you resolve the $120,000 difference between what you initially projected and what it actually cost? Did you do a capital call? Did you come out of pocket? Did you have reserves? I did a combination of a cap call and because I had one investor in this project and then I put a lot of my own cash in the deal initially as well. Now, once we got things going, I had another investor come in that wanted to be in it for a long term. So we brought him in on one of the buildings and then he basically replenished my equity in the building and he took over in that perspective as an equity partner. Okay. What's that conversation like when you go to your original investor and you tell them, hey, we were at 140, but now we need more because of this deal. How did you approach the conversation and how was it received? Well, here's the thing. I've learned in life, you can dance around the facts all you want, but at the end of the day, people are going to respect you a lot better and you're going to have a better result if you're just right up front and direct with them. Hey, look, I blew it. I should have known better. I made mistakes, but I have a solution. And when I was in the military, I learned that, I believe it was my first sergeant used to come to me, or when we would come to him, he would say, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. Mm -hmm. So what I did is the homework to figure out what the fix was going to be. And at that point, I started 
spending a lot of time finding the right people to help me manage these assets and get things on track to where they were so that I didn't make the same mistakes twice. I can't, I don't want to be that person that keeps making the same mistakes twice. And I think being direct with the investor and saying, Hey man, you know, I goofed up, but here's the solution. And here's the team that I've built to make sure that we can manage this asset effectively because I bit off a little more than I could chew in this first project and then go from there. And it was very well received. It really wasn't a problem. Hmm. Now, the good news is, is that in most cases, with the exception of the rehab, as far as the rent rules and whatnot, I was kind of crazy conservative on how long I thought it would take and, and getting the building stabilized and what the rents would do and was glad that I did that because being conservative, I had actually, by the time I got it stabilized up, the numbers look really good. And to this day, they still look really, really good. So fortunately, that was one mistake I did not make. But in moving forward, I've learned that I'm going to definitely get the rehab piece is something that I think a lot of investors struggle with. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put a lot more time and effort into that. That's for sure. What is the property worth now? Now it's at 485 as of well, a couple weeks ago. Awesome. And it's worth 45 as of a couple weeks ago because I assume you got it appraised? Yeah, we had it appraised. And what, the, what was the purpose of that appraisal? The primary investor wanted to get an appraisal just to see where we were at, mm. kind of get a warm fuzzy. And that's why we went ahead and did an appraisal on it. It was at his expense. So and that's where we're at today. Cool. Wow. That's, so, that's great stuff. Quick, you know, Memphis is one of those markets that it attracts new investors and generally tends to swallow them whole. It's one of those markets I don't recommend unless you have somebody with some experience going in with you. Unfortunately, I was able to find that somewhat early on before I got myself in too deep. Yeah, I hear you. I've heard the same thing about Memphis. There's opportunity, but boy, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't <laughs> go in with eyes wide open and have an all-star on the ground team, you're going to get swallowed up. For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could go on for hours about the lessons learned in Tennessee, let me tell you. Tyler, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Best real estate investing advice ever would be start now. If you haven't already started, start now. And you've got the 26 units that you did a couple years ago. Recently, you've been doing note buying. Why have you transitioned from something like this 26 unit? to note buying you know with note buying i've i was always scared of it i didn't understand it for many many years and it was something that i know a lot of my friends do but i never did and, and once i started to learn about it and learn how essentially I'm, there's no tenants and toilets number one there's no rehab in a note there's just exit strategies really what it is and, and in every note just like with any investment you're simply beginning with the end in mind you assemble the team just like doing a, a rehab or doing a stabilization on a building but the profit margins are through the ceiling as compared to what you do in a, in a traditional acquisition of a small building. So for me, for now, it makes sense. It just got to the point where I'm sure you've experienced this is trying to find inventory that makes sense or deals out there that make sense is becoming more and more difficult every day. What's been the main challenge that you've come across with note buying? The main challenge that we've had is the due diligence, we're very strict on our due diligence. In some cases, the lender's packages are not as thorough as I believe they should be. So we spend a lot of time having to go beyond the due diligence packages that's provided just to make sure that we're in a, a comfortable position to where we've got our risk in check. And what's a tip that you have for 
looking at that risk for determining if it's worthwhile or not? My best advice in that category is when somebody delivers a due diligence package, first of all, if you're buying a note off a website, be very careful and make sure that you get a due diligence package. And when you do get one, go through or have someone in your team go through every one of those documents to make sure everything is the way it should be and that you're fully aware of what you're getting into before you get into it. Because that is really where the huge element of risk exists in notes is the lack of due diligence on the part of the investor. Ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you looking to earn passive income through turnkey rental properties? If so, then go check out hipsterinvestments.com. Ali Boone's the founder of Hipster Investments. It's a aesthetically pleasing website, and you'll know what I mean when you go check it out. I just love the color palette. In addition to that, though, Ali has some wonderful content on both passive investing through turnkey rental properties as well as how to design your life. Go to hipsterinvestments.com. Best ever book you've read? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learn from it? My first deal in Memphis, and I will always focus on my team building first. Best ever deal you've done? My very first one, the fourplex. Best ever way you like to give back? Educating people on my podcast. And what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Not trusting people enough to have them help me when I need help, taking on too much myself. A lot of these comments tie back to the team, building the team and making sure that you have the right people in place. How do you qualify team members now? Now I spend time talking to them. It's not done by email anymore. I don't care what their websites say. I'm a face-to-face, shake-your-hand kind of person. And i got to say, I've met every person on my team with the exception of, ironically, my attorneys. <laughs> They're the only ones I haven't met face-to-face. Well, most of them, some of them down here in Florida I've met face-to-face. But I use KKOS lawyers out of Arizona, and I haven't met them face-to-face. But I'd definitely the face-to-face and shake hands and look them in the eye and have a conversation and build that rapport, just like I would with a client or an investor. Tyler, what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Best place to reach me is through my website, cashflowguys.com. This was a conversation that we got in deep on this 26 unit, talked about the case study, really. I love that. Love hearing about real examples of before and after projects, how you heard about it through your networking, what you did, 0% economic occupancy, had some physical occupancy, turn it around got it all leased up, stabilized, and now it's worth about 185000 more than what it was acquired for. Also, your approach on team building, the importance of it, how you now build your team first. You like to meet people face-to-face. Great stuff. Really fortunate that we were able to catch up. Thank you so much for spending some time with Best Ever Listeners. Thank you for your service, by the way. You mentioned VA loan and your military background just a tiny bit. So I want to say thank you for your service. And I hope you have a best ever day. And we'll talk to you soon, Tyler. Thanks, Joe. Are you looking to earn passive income through turnkey rental properties? If so, then go check out hipsterinvestments.com. Ali Boone's the founder of Hipster Investments. It's a aesthetically pleasing website. And you'll know what I mean when you go check it out. I just love the color palette. In addition to that, though... 
Allie has some wonderful content on both passive investing through turnkey rental properties as well as how to design your life. Go to hipsterinvestments.com.